Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Morning Briefing. It's Thursday, May 26, episode 181. I'm Phil Branton. With me, as always, your friend of mine and co-host of the Morning Briefing, Burt Garland, shareholder with Ogletree Deacons. It's our goal to keep you informed so you can more effectively run your business. We have a lot to chat about. First, the Indy 500 for our Indy members and our uh, race car fans. That's this weekend, one of the best races of the year, if you ask me. Um, if you're going, shoot, we'd love to know about that in the chat. Tell us about it. I'd like to know if anyone is attending that uh, Memorial Day race. And secondly, our St. Louis Blues, how about that historic playoff comeback win last night, Bert? Did you get a chance to watch that? I, 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 yeah, there's the horn. That that uh, I, They didn't play that last night, Nick, because they were in uh, Colorado. They went silent and left the building. Yeah, that was uh, tremendous. I'm a little tired today, but uh, well worth staying up to watch that uh, incredible ending. That was a pretty wild third period, and uh, nice to see them seal it in uh, in overtime there. Yeah, I, um, I I watched the game, and I was just in disbelief that we came back to win, but uh, the sure, just pure excitement that the, the coaches had and the players had on the bench – I mean, if we could feel that at work, at least, you know, once a week, you know, where you're just wanting to hug and squeeze everybody out of pure ex- uh, excitement. Um, I mean, what a what a thrill that must have been. I don't think I've ever seen Berube smile except twice <laughs> when he won the Stanley Cup and last night. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it was just so good to see the team come back and do that. Isn't that um, one, and, once a week? That's payday, right? Payday once a week. Payday once a week. Yeah, I, we just still don't feel that excited, I, I tell you, Nick. Um, but anyway, that's what sports does for us, and we're happy to see our members, the St. Louis Blues, uh, go forward and, and have one more chance at uh, pushing to a Game 7 here. So we'll all tune in for that tomorrow night. Uh, and then the Indy 500 for our fans in Indianapolis. All right, uh, let's get on with the program, Bert. Um, people didn't join in for talk. Uh, radio sports show. Um, Let's see. We do have to, uh, unfortunately, I want to talk about the active shooter workplace violence preparation just in light of all the mass shootings that we've been experiencing, but we're not going to focus too much on that, but we do have a role in what we do from a human resource and management standpoint. So I want to chat on that. There are potentially layoffs on the horizon, Bert. I want to talk to you about that. Um, and also we're seeing more and more union activity as um, the politics uh, are paying off uh, for uh, the Biden administration uh, and the union investment in those politics. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, we have a poll question for everyone. Um, it's a real simple poll question. Do you have an active shooter program in the workplace, a workplace violence program do you have one, yes or no? Uh, we'd like to know that. And then in our chat, um, Gwen has submitted a question and I wanna get her some help on that. Thank you for submitting your question, Gwen. And her question is, would you mind conducting a poll to see how many companies are still doing employee COVID case tracking, contact exposure uh, for employees, all that kind of stuff? Are you still practicing those protocols related to COVID in the workplace? or have they kind of gone by the wayside? Uh, Let's see if we can help Gwen out with that. 
Bert, let's uh, talk about it and get it behind us on workplace violence. Um, I'd like to take the position, of course, we're all saddened and there's, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said um, or hor uh, horrifying events. Um, I've had workplaces with plenty of violence, including shootings and guns and all types of violence in the workplaces I've been responsible for, and, and it, is, it is tragic. But we have this time, if anything else, to just stop and pause and reflect uh, as leaders to say, okay, what are we doing to create the awareness so people know that we take it seriously and that if you are aware of a potential problem, you know who to report it to, how to investigate it. You have policies of weapons and violence on your property. Um, your supervisors and managers know what to look for. Um, you practice, you know, whether they're evacuation drills for severe weather or um, for, you know, um, other reasons to evacuate like workplace violence. As leaders, we have to do that. And, and we should talk about those things regularly. Am I missing anything, uh, Bert, that's critical from your standpoint, not only in how to help intervene and cut these things off, but also how to protect ourselves to say we've done all the right things should something tragic happen at our workplace? Yeah, there's a couple of layers of, of things to discuss there, Phil. And the first is, you know, obviously, uh, we want to point out the fact that just having a workplace violence policy is not going to stop somebody who's hellbent on coming in and shooting up the facility. That's a much larger societal uh, problem that I'm not going to wade into today. It deals with, uh, you know, Second Amendment rights, and it deals with mental health issues, and that that's really not going to be the purpose of our discussion today, other than to recognize that it is a larger societal problem. But you know, having a policy. Well, it's not necessarily going to stop somebody from, from coming in and, and shooting up a facility. Uh, the policy is really designed to create, like you said, some awareness of these issues and then to make sure that people understand and know what the protocols are if there is an incident of violence in the workplace. And like you said, people practice emergency weather drills and have an escape plan. A lot of facilities have fire emergency plans. And, uh, you know, the idea is with one of these, with, with a workplace violence policy, most of them sort of are, long, are along the lines of if you see something, say something. Uh, and, you know, try to try to nip this in the bud before it becomes a bigger problem. And then if it does actually happen in the workplace, trying to prepare people for what to do, where to go, uh, and how to try to avoid becoming a victim of workplace violence. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's the key. So if you're listening to the program today, just take a moment, reflect on your policy and, and just in my mind, and having lived through several of these in the workplace uh, over my tenure, it really is about making sure your employees are comfortable talking to the right people and even bringing issues to your attention should they not be uh, something of concern, but at least there's a level of awareness. And that's the key thing. Then it's another thing uh, as a HR professional, particularly if you haven't dealt with these things before, which isn't unusual not to have dealt with them, is to know how to investigate those with the right um, 
level of urgency and sensitivity and using all the right resources to provide help. You know, do you notify the police? Do you not notify the police? So if someone brings something to your attention, when do you bring in the EAP program? Um, how do you manage those? Um, just to really make sure we're bringing the person all the right help to get them through whatever stage in life they're dealing with at that time. And I, and I think that's really all I want to say about it. Um, we could talk all day about it, but there's other things for us to talk about. Let's just all make sure we, we have the right awareness programs in our, our workplace today. Um, so unless there's something else you want to add, Bert, I want to go ahead and move on. No, I think that uh, we, we've said what we can on that. Okay, so, all right, we're in a little bit of a conundrum here. We got hiring that um, companies that can't hire enough people. Um, we have um, supply chain problems. We have payroll inflation. We have inflation at the gas pump in the grocery store. And then we have maybe looming in the background this whole conversation around um, potential recession, a dip in the economy. Uh, and maybe layoffs. And I am aware of uh, a few organizations that are talking about layoffs or are going to have layoffs, hiring freezes. I don't know if you're hearing any of these things, Bert, but I think it's something that sh people should be cognitive of that this might just be around the corner for us. Yeah, I think that uh, all of the things taking place in, in the world right now are, are really finally taking their toll overall, uh, and that is uh, that they may culminate in, in a worldwide recession here. There have been a, lay of, a, a, a round of layoffs that really have been sweeping across uh, American companies for the first few months of 2022. Uh, and people have heard uh, a lot about layoffs at uh, Peloton, that they've laid off thousands of employees. Online car dealer Carvana plans to slash 12% of its workforce. And even uh, layoff-resistant companies like Netflix have been making cuts. Carvana, I think, was about 2,500 people. Uh, there's a company out there uh, called Reef, R-E-F-F. Uh, they're looking at laying off about 750 people. Mm -hmm. uh, another company called uh, uh, SoftBank uh, is laying off 750 people. Ghost uh, Reef is a ghost kitchens company, by the way. Uh, a company called um, GoPuff is uh, mm -hmm. laying off about 400 people. And it just goes to show uh, that, that these layoffs are, are real. GoPuff it was founded in 2013, and they have ultra-fast delivery of convenience store items. There's a company called Better uh, that's out there, uh, a mortgage startup, and they're looking at laying off about 4,000 people. So just a some mortgage statistics. startup. Wait a minute. I think you, you said this. Uh, um, I, I'm sure I heard this correctly, Bert. A startup is going to lay off 4,000. Yes, <laughs> okay, that, that doesn't feel like a startup to right. me any longer. When you have 4,000 people to lay off, just doesn't feel like a startup. Yeah, they had, a, they had some tremendous uh, growth uh, back in, in uh, late, uh, in, in the early uh, 19s and 20s, and now they're, they're going to be laying off a significant uh, number of people. And a diet weight loss company called Noom, is looking at laying off 495 people. I mean, it just yeah. goes on and on. 
uh, and a lot of these are in the technology sector, but you know, there, there are many reasons for these layoffs, like you mentioned, uh, that uh, the, the, the economy, things in the economy, supply chain problems are really starting to take their toll. But one of the uh, issues that is, is causing these layoffs is the fact that the cost of labor is also uh, increasing so much. And yeah. so what companies are doing a lot of companies, and I've said this numerous times on the program before, is companies will find ways to do more with less. They'll find ways to do uh, what they need to do with fewer employees. And, you know, we, the example I always cite is uh, fast food restaurants. You need, need to go no further than a fast food restaurant. It started many, many, many years ago uh, when they first decided it was way less expensive to hand us the cup and uh, use our time to get our ice, fill our drink. And even if we go back for refills, it's less expensive to have us do that as the customer than to pay one of the employees uh, to, to serve the drink. And That's right. you know, now they moved, many of these restaurants have moved to kiosks or online mobile uh, ordering. Uh, and so all of that is designed, yes, it's designed to speed up the customer experience, but it is also designed to uh, reduce costs, reduce cost of labor. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things that it's a chicken and an egg. Are you better off uh, employing more people at a lower wage or employing uh, fewer people at a higher wage? I don't know what the right answer is to that, but that's the reality we're dealing with. Wages are going up and companies are, are going to find ways to do more with less. Yeah. And I can think of uh, some manufacturers and, and you know, sometimes it's it's really good to get out of the Midwest and visit one of the coast uh, just to see, you know, really the difference in, in the approach because it does it does eventually make its way to the Midwest, but it's it's not overnight. And uh, I, you know, I had a chance to visit a few operations out in California, manufacturing operations that have challenges. Um, to operate slightly different than what we experience in the Midwest. I mean, they're very concerned with energy control um, to a level that we're not concerned with uh, at, at that as much in the Midwest. Um, and it is amazing the number of, of organizations out there that were, they're running lights out. And, you know, they're, they're running, you know, a period of time, a long periods of time with very, very, very few people because of automation in manufacturing. I'm talking about machining operations. You know, the concept of, you know, running a machine. Um, when I got in, in the manufacturing world, every, you know, you had one or two people operating a machine at, at a time. Then you had, you know, one person operating machine, then one person operating two or three machines. And now, you know, you have a whole floor of machines operating and maybe a couple people roaming around in a very, you know, lights out type operation, just kind of keeping the pulse on things. But someone's really operating a control room somewhere else um, to, to be able to monitor. And they're just calling down um, and, you know, giving instruction from there. So technology does always seem to follow the surge uh, that we have seen over the last couple of years to solve the labor problem. Uh, in, in many ways. And then what happens is we have that, that group of people who are, you know, hands-on labor and, and there's no place for them to go in the workplace and they're, they're out of skill set. Um, so their skill sets are no longer needed. And then we, we talk about, 
you know, a higher level of unemployment for people that don't have the right skills. And, and it just becomes a perpetual circle in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very difficult. And uh, I, I, I hope that we're, we're not heading for recession, but uh, a lot of the signs are there. Uh, and, and again, you've mentioned that let's not forget about the supply chain problems. If, if uh, companies don't have the uh, resources, the natural resources and the component parts uh, to, to fulfill their manufacturing goals, then they're not going to have anything to manufacture and they're Absolutely. not going to be able to, to, to keep employing people. So there are a lot of problems going on right now. The, the world's a mess and, uh, uh, you know, we just have to continue to hope that things sort themselves out and that we all continue to do our part, plugging away every day and uh, doing the best job we can. So I'm just I'm looking at the chat um, here and I appreciate uh, so many responses, but we're getting uh, and maybe it's um, just the people who are still doing COVID tracing are the only ones responding. But it does appear uh, to our question for those of you that are um interested in, in knowing that it does appear many, if not most, or all the organizations responding uh, are still doing some form of COVID tracing and tracking in the workplace uh, and still following some uh, CDC guidelines in that spot or in that case. Um, there's also a question from Jacqueline on um, gas prices. And, and while we're talking kind of about maybe the potential threat of a um, recession, you know, we still are trying to deal with uh, business today. And Jacqueline, what I can tell you is I, I do know that organizations are trying to provide relief however they can in whatever way makes that reasonable for them, for the employees that, they, that do come to work each day. Um, and if you were on the program last week, if you can um, tune in and listen to that, uh, Michael was talking about the fact that, you know, instead of just giving everyone a general wage increase, they're being very specific with who and what they're providing increases for. Uh, And some of that is in the form of, you know, weekly or or monthly stipends to help with gas that they may not always offer. And that at some point, if the price of gas comes down, uh, they might be able to pull that back or claw it back different than providing a wage increase, which is harder to claw back. So, uh, Jacqueline, yes, uh, I am aware of uh, several organizations that are trying to provide relief, if nothing else, sparingly and very targetly targeting for specific uh, groups of their employees. And Phil, let, let me throw a comment in uh, in in there as well. That uh, Jacqueline, definitely, you want to do this as some sort of a targeted uh, practice. You don't want to do it as some sort of a uh, bonus or or put it into wages if you can avoid it because then you run into issues with uh, you know increasing and moving up the overall compensation that's being paid to people and you also could get into an issue of uh, overtime if this is for hourly employees does the uh, does the increase for the gas reimbursement need to be included in the employee's regular rate of pay for purposes of calculating overtime so you want to make sure that you are very clear on uh, what this what this uh, stipend is is used for, and that it is used for uh, to reimburse reimburse people or offset the uh, increase in fuel charges. All right, hey, um, Bert. Deborah has a question related to uh, the state of Illinois 
uh, on the one day rest and seven act signed by uh, Governor Pritzker. Um, any insight on that that we, you can help Deborah with? Sure. So this is uh, a, 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 an amendment uh, in Illinois that was signed into law, uh, actually, uh, actually signed into law, went into effect uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, it goes into effect January 1, 2023. Uh, it was signed into law on May 13th, and uh, we, we just got an update on this yesterday. And uh, this uh, new law, it, it, a lot of people abbreviated as ODRISA, One Day Rest in Seven Act. And this is an amendment to an existing Illinois law. And basically, ODRISA provides meal breaks to all employees in a consecutive 24-hour rest period to most employees. So currently, employers in Illinois are required to provide most employees with at least 24, hour, uh, 24 consecutive hours of rest in every calendar week, which is defined as Sunday at 12.01 a.m. Uh, to midnight the following Saturday. The amendment has deleted the phrase calendar week and instead provides that beginning next year, employers must allow most employees at least 24 consecutive hours of rest in every consecutive seven day period. So they're getting rid of that calendar week concept and going to a, just a consecutive seven day period, uh, which means that, um, that, that it's really kind of up to the employer to figure out what constitutes a consecutive seven day period. So if you working employees in a consecutive seven day period in Illinois, you are going to have to give your employees uh, at least 24 hours of consecutive uh, time off. The amendment also provides that an employee who works in excess of seven continuous hours shall be entitled to an additional 20 minute meal period for every additional four continuous hours work. So there are some more meal penalty, uh, meal, meal requirements. Uh, and if you fail to comply with that, there are going to be new penalties for that for employers. Uh, they break it out on whether you're an employer with fewer than 25 employees. The penalty uh, is not to exceed $250 per offense. Um, uh, and then damages up to 250 per offense payable to the employee. So 250 payable to the Department of Labor, 250 payable to the employee. And then 25 or more employees, it's $500 per offense payable to the Department of Labor and $500 per offense payable to the employee or well, employees. Why are we paying? To, I can understand paying the employee. Why do we have to give money to the Department of Labor? That, that, yeah. uh, what the heck is that? But yeah, okay. interesting that uh, they're they're using that as a, a uh, revenue generator. But uh, there are also new requirements, uh, new notification requirements that we have to post and keep posted in quote unquote, one or more conspicuous places where notices are customarily uh, posted, a notice uh, provided by the Illinois Department of Labor summarizing these requirements. So yeah. just be aware for you Illinois employers that this has uh, been signed into law. It is going into effect on January 1 of next year. And uh, it's, it's not a new law, but an amendment to an existing law in Illinois requiring one day of rest 
in seven uh, in a seven day uh, work period. Good. Well, I hope that um, that provides some insight for you there, Deborah. I mean, there's I think most employers I'm familiar with, I mean, they're always happy to provide the right amount of breaks and, and reasonableness of, of working hours. <clears throat> I haven't really never in my career ran across where that's um, where it's been abused. But I think the thing that makes complying with those really hard is that employee that doesn't want the break because they want to leave extra early or they want to take less time and, and, you know, really just say, Hey, look, if I can leave, I'll, I'll cut my break in half if I can leave 10 minutes early. And, and, and it doesn't sound like this allows uh, an employer or the person of choice in that case to have that flexibility. Yeah, it, it really doesn't. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the state of Illinois has decided this is what's uh, good for employees of our state. And therefore, we are enacting the law. Yep. And they're a thriving state, a thriving state. So good for them. All right, <laughs> uh, Bert, let's get on to, um, I'm sorry, not Bert, Nick, let's take a look at that poll, if we can, please. How we doing there, just uh, related to the active shooter workplace violence policy, if you can read us out some results. Yeah, we are over half for sure is in the no department. Um, Okay. Now, notice how we didn't give a choice of just no, and we don't plan on having one, or we don't think we need one. The only answer was no, but we need one. So um, when we talk about in development, we have a few, um, but we're running at probably about 35% yes, and uh, but the majority uh, yeah. know, does not have a plan yet. Yeah, and and it doesn't surprise me because I I think often you know we just feel like these things won't happen at our place. I can just tell you, in my thirty years, they happen. I've experienced so many crazy scenarios, um, and it's really just about being prepared as a management team and as an organization, and, and it's a good practice. And this is a good time just to start chatting about that if you don't have one. Should you need help? Uh, myself, Bert, either one of us are going to be really happy to help you in this place uh, space. Just reach out to us uh, with that. All right, Bert, um, we've been talking a lot about unionization. We got just a few minutes left. This continues to be on the forefront of the agenda of our country, and it seems to be playing out in the workplace. Um, we're seeing more and more activity, Trader Joe's and other places like that. Um, what's the one thing, Bert, that uh, you think an, a company can do to help intervene and make sure that they don't become um, petitioned uh, with enough petitions to have an election? So for years, Phil, you know, I've been doing work in this space for more than 25 years. And the one thing I can, I can kind of universally say is that companies for the most part, they end up with the union that they deserve. And what I mean by that is, is that if they are uh, treating the employees in a manner that uh, causes employees to go out and seek a third party to be their voice in the workplace, the employer is already behind the eight ball. If they, if they are treating the employees to the point where uh, they, the employees feel they don't have a work a, a voice in the workplace and that the uh, employer doesn't care about 
about them, the employer doesn't listen to them, then employees, you're, you're really at risk that the employees are going to seek to unionize. Uh, we've covered before on the program, uh, you know, some of the, the usually call it the top 10 reasons why employees organize. And most people, when you give them that survey, they will pick uh, wages and benefits as, uh, you know, probably the one, number one and number two reasons why employees unionize. And those are certainly issues that fall in the top 10, but they are not number one and two. Mm -hmm. Universally, in 25 plus years of doing this, I can tell you that employees organize because they don't feel like they have a voice in the workplace and they don't feel respected. That's right. And so you, you want to try to make sure that the employees uh, do feel that they that their voice matters, what they say matters and what they do for the company matters. And if you can do that, if you can train and educate your frontline supervisors and you treat employees consistently and fairly across the board, those are the things that uh, that are, are, are the best defense against unionization. Because then you could say to the employees, why in the world would you want to bring a third party in here to intervene in our relationship when we have a great relationship? Uh, you know, if, if, you, if, that's, if that's the truth and that's the fact, then they shouldn't be looking at a third party to speak for them. If they feel like they have a voice in the workplace, they won't seek representation. That, and I and I will I will second that in my experience and you know I've done over 20 of those campaigns myself in almost every scenario if not every scenario it, it was the relationship not the money and when unions have been successful and, and have had to negotiate first-time contracts um, in no case did they get significant wage increases beyond what they would have gotten otherwise mm -hmm. but but they at least had a voice and they, and they felt like, um, the process that they went through was what they wanted. And it is the union you deserve in that scenario uh, while it's unfortunate. So I don't think this topic is going away. I think we're going to continue to read more about it just due to the perfect storm that we have brewing. Um, so we will keep our eye on that for you. You keep your eye on your workplace and we will keep you informed as, uh, as we go forward. With that, we will be back on the air next week at 7.30 Central Standard Time. Bert, Nick, thank you very much. Let's go Blues and let's have a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend. See you next week. Tell your story, promote your products, communicate with your employees and customers vividly, dynamically, and powerfully. Whether it's a company video, recruitment video, online training, or live meeting, Feature Group can help you from scripting to highly polished finished production. Whether it's live or on demand, we have the skills and equipment to wow your audience and drive your message home. Feature Group USA the one-stop shop for all your broadcasting needs.